Good afternoon. Welcome to Screen Cleaning. We are so excited about today's show because, as you know, it's no secret, we're now in 2019, which means the first happy thing new year. The, the first thing you got to do, other than wish everybody a happy new year, is you have to make a goal to lose weight, right? Of course. Check. Uh, then you've got to take a look back at the previous year and see all the good that happened and see what you would have done differently. And or just just kind of recap it, see what went on, and see how you can prepare for the coming year. And since this is screen cleaning, what better way to do it than to do it at the movies, right? That's right. And we're lucky enough today to have on our show our good friend Rod Gustafson, who is the producer for the Lisa Clark Morning Show. Rod, welcome back to Screen Cleaning. It is great to be on Screen Cleaning. I like it here. I like cleaning screens. (laughs) You have a lot more experience than either Cole or myself as far as reviewing movies is concerned. You've been a, a, a movie reviewer and critic for Decades. Yeah, it, it it has turned into that. I remember the, the first review I wrote. It was that Beethoven movie, The Dog. And I thought, I wonder how long I'll do this for. With Charles Grodin. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I'm very familiar with that. Stanley Tucci and Oliver Platt also had roles in that film. Mm-hmm. Yes, as well as Bonnie ago. Hunt and that Well, one. look at you. See, this is how come you need to <laughs> David be the film du- critic. David Duchovny was in it. Anyway... Uh, I could talk for seconds about the movie Beethoven, and I just did. <laughs> so the first thing we want to do, though, is Cole and I, yesterday, we reviewed a movie called Escape, Escape Room. Room. Yep, I celebrated my birthday at the movies, which seems appropriate since I love it so much, and I got to celebrate with a little horror movie to start off 2019. That is, that's like the greatest gift you could be given on your birthday. Mm -hmm. So the premise for this starts off pretty simple, a bunch of teenagers in a locked room horror, but the twist they have is they are benefiting from the popularity of escape rooms nowadays, which if you don't know, are these rooms that you go in, you have to find a bunch of numbers or letters or clues around in the room to unlock a bunch of little locks to eventually escape the room. That's your concept. Have you... Have you ever done any of these escape rooms? Cole? Of course. I'm a young person in 2019 now. I've wow. I've gone to a couple of escape rooms. So that day. means that either you were the, the lucky one that made it out or they weren't as deadly as they're presented in this yeah, film. Yeah, see, escape rooms aren't quite what you see in this movie because in <laughs> this surprise, movie it's surprise. escape or you die. It's, <laughs> it's very – very life-threatening the way that they present this. You've got your one character who kind of is the escape room aficionado so he can explain what they are to everyone else, and he doesn't think they're supposed to be deadly because they're not supposed to be any other time. Right. But, yeah, this just turns into a really cool way to show some horror by having each room do different things to our poor, unwitting protagonists. And let me guess, we have six people in the room and does it follow the typical formula, the one you'll, by one? You'll lose one in yeah, each room. Yeah. You know, I, one positive thing I will say about this movie, and there are other positive things I'll say about it. If you're looking for a PG-13 alternative to movies like Saw or The Cabin in the Woods. Or Cube. Mm-hmm. or Yeah, there were a lot wa- of. Yeah. You may want to check this out. I even at one time turned to Cole and said, I feel like I'm watching the horror version of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> 
Except in this film, you know, they're not uh, all bad people like they are in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I was going to say, wait a minute, Willy Wonka was not a horror movie? I didn't, I didn't realize <laughs> There that. was that one scene in the tunnel where he just goes on this weird, hellacious rant. But uh, since I've never been to an escape room, Cole, okay. I think I've always had a fear of I don't want to do an escape room I don't want to be the one who's like the least helpful person in the room. <laughs> I don't want to be the one that, yeah, that looks dumb. Dragging everyone else down. Right. So this is kind of a way for people who have never done an escape room to kind of test the waters. And you have the experience of not having that fear of being the dumb one in the room. But you get to look at other people make dumb mistakes and – Another fear that I've had about doing escape rooms is I kind of feel like an escape room would really bring out the worst in people, and which is something very true in this movie. You really get to see the worst parts of these people in the film. Escape rooms in real life always give you some kind of ticking clock. You have a certain amount right. of time to get out. And one of the rooms in particular where things got ugliest the fastest was the one where they put a big clock up on the wall and said, you have to do this in this amount of time. That's true. And that's kind of true to reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, this film is better than I expected it to be and probably better sure. than it deserves to be, being that it's a horror movie dumped in the dump heap of January, as you like to talk mm-hmm. about, Cole. Oh, yes. I couldn't agree more. Um, a couple of complaints, though. Sure. Just like any other movie that's like this, and there are plenty of movies that are just like this. Let's not kid ourselves. It's not an original concept. But it was done in an entertaining way. It fumbles the ending, and or I should say endings. endings. There it are like fumbled it, and then it ten, fumbled it again, ten and different then it kept endings. bouncing backwards. And... Right. And do yourself a favor. Do not watch the trailer. I know we've talked about this before on the show, but really, if you watch this trailer, there will be zero surprises in this film for you. Zero. Don't watch the trailer. You've been warned. Cole, any parting shots for you on Escape Room? It was pretty visually cool. A lot of times when you get these kind of cheap, our heroes are locked in a room, let's see them get out kind of horror movies, they're done on a very low budget. And a lot of the horror is just them interacting with each other. Whereas this has some of that. The characters aren't quite as strong as you might see in a in a more real horror movie. But a lot of the visuals were done cool. They did fancy things to the rooms and made it fancy looking. A lot I of think. CGI, but then there were other CGI. some practical effects, mm-hmm. like a, a point of view. What is that called? Like a different perspective where somebody is bigger on one side of the room and somebody oh, there was is an smaller. optical illusion right. kind of room. That was pretty disoriented. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was one where the room got flipped upside down. There, there were some cool visual ways to tackle each of the rooms, and I think they did that good. It's it's actually kind of fun. Just ignore the ending. Don't watch the trailer. And you're going to have a good time. Sure. Yeah. So we're going to share some of our favorite pieces of news from 2018. And we're going to let Rod Gustafson share one of his favorites. Hmm. Favorite news. Okay. The top one for me would have to be the popular film category at the Oscars. What? Well, no, not that they created it, but they 
although the official word is they have postponed it, but I, I, that just kind of spun my mind. Why do we need a popular film category? What we really need to do is just think a little bit more about some of the other movies that aren't what we call Oscar bait and just give them the awards that they deserve. But anyhow, so that, that would be number one for me. And, and, um, it's interesting if you read the, uh, the little message from the Academy CEO, Don Hudson, she said, there has been a wide range of reactions to the introduction of a new award. Oh, yes. I wouldn't from say a wide range. really bad to just yes. kind of lukewarm. <laughs> and we recognize the need for further discussion with our members. So this is not totally put to bed. It could come back in another form, just like a horror movie. But the good right. news is that this coming Oscars, there's not a there is no film popular category. film category, and they're and doing this because the ratings of the Oscars have been slipping. No. The, they've yeah. been criticized heavily for not including more popular films, which is one of the reasons why I think we're seeing Black Panther show up on so many top ten lists. Certainly, is not on my top ten list. Um, that's Mary not... Poppins Returns, another one that is, I think, going to be popping in there. <laughs> Sorry for that <laughs> unintended pun. But I think it'll be showing up a little bit as well because yeah. I think they're they're hoping that people will get excited about award shows again. Whenever you talk about popular films nowadays, a lot of it has to do with comic books. But recently it's just been one of the comic book mega giant comic book studios and it's been Marvel. But my great news comes from the other one. There's another one? Look! It's a bird! It's a plane! Ah, it's this week in DC News. All year long, we've been having new and weird and, and mostly sad DC news to report here, but the good DC news of the whole year is that Aquaman is doing really well. That was this week in DC News. <laughs> And it gives me another excuse to use those fun little things that I made. <laughs> it was obvious. It was short. I loved, I loved it. it. <laughs> yes. Stadler and Waldorf, one of my favorite quotes from The Muppets. Thank you. So it, what's interesting about that, we've done that throughout the year, as you mentioned, Cole. They probably have more about faces than the Academy this year. Who was it that was going to play Bruce Wayne's father and then he backed out like a day later? Oh, it was Alec Baldwin. Yeah. That's, that's right. right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. But DC movies are back in the box office because Aquaman is having a lot of success. And I think that that's good. Competition is good. And it's nice to see another studio up there. Wonder Woman 84 will be coming out as well soon. That's that was, true. Yeah. That was the other good DC movie. The had. 80s are in this year too with Stranger Things. And we could talk about that. Like July 4th is the premiere date for season three. But my greatest news from 2018 is something that takes a negative and turns it into a positive. So there have been a couple of gentlemen in the entertainment industry who have had little side jobs, you know, as they're waiting for their next gig. They're providing for their family. There shouldn't be any shame in that, right? And yet... There is the story that came out, and the reason I remember this story is because there was a story today about Brian Dunkelman, who, if you're not familiar with that person, he was the co-host of American Idol during season one. Oh, all right. If you knew that there used to be two hosts. Um, and he was uh, – TMZ did a story about him 
writing down in his divorce papers or something like that that he was working as an Uber driver. And so he addressed it and said, yep, I'm providing for my family. I'm not ashamed of that. And uh, this made me think of the story about Jeffrey Owens, who was a, a – I don't know if he was a series regular, but he was at least a recurring guest on The Cosby Show. Yeah. He was uh, Bill Cosby's son-in-law on the show, right? And somebody took pictures of him working at a Trader Joe's, and they posted it in, you know, the, very much a way that suggested like, oh, look how the mighty have fallen. He used to be this big-time celebrity, and now he's working at Trader Joe's. So again, think back to this discussion of people not in Hollywood. It's not weird when people change jobs and, the, you know, they they roll with the punches. And he was doing this for a period of 15 months in in the acting community, it's not unlikely or it's not uncommon for people to need to do things to support themselves in between acting jobs, which is is exactly what he was doing here. And so he was being job shamed. And so that's the negative. The positive is people started coming to his aid. They started supporting him. Um, and he started getting job offers because of this job shaming. Tyler Perry tweeted to him that he wanted him to come join one of his shows on the OWN network, and he got like a 10 or 11 episode gig out of this. So something positive that came out of a negative, I think that is worthy of one of the best news stories of 2018. So that is our best of news in 2018. And when we return, we are going to share with you some of our favorite films of 2018 this is Screen Cleaning. Oh, that theme song just oh, brings back so many memories. And I'm sure we're going to be talking about the theme song from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood here in just a minute. Because we are going to be reviewing our favorite films of 2018. Instead of just doing our top five or our top ten, which we've done before, we're going to have different categories, the first of which is going to be Best Documentary. Now, before we turn it over to Rod to share his favorite documentary, I'm just going to say this has been a fantastic year for documentaries. Yeah, normally we wouldn't create a separate category for the documentary because we might have seen one, and that's just after the Oscars tell us which one is probably good. This year, <laughs> we saw multiple ones in theaters and kind of caught up with things. And I will say that uh, movie studios in general did a much better job of marketing these documentaries. Good for them. Rod Gustafson, what was the best documentary of 2018? Well, you know, this was a real difficult question for me because if Fred Rogers has so much appeal. But if I had to say what was the best made documentary of 2018, Free Solo, uh, I, I think would have to be it. Uh, and this one, Free Solo, this is the story about uh, Alex Honnold 
a guy who he likes climbing mountains and he likes climbing mountains without ropes. And he mm. decides to climb El Capitan, which is just this incredibly difficult and nobody. Giant mammoth giant, of a yes. rock in yeah, Yosemite. Yeah. And as I say, I don't know, even know much about this sport. But as you watch this film, the the thought that kept coming to my mind was – I want to know about the filmmakers. The guy on the rock is incredibly like, in fact, frankly, you're thinking you're crazy. I still think he's got some issues he needs to sort out, quite <laughs> frankly. But the film crew as well, to be able to get guys that can film this and to be able to climb that thing, although the crew, from what I can see, they are using ropes, but they've got cameras and all sorts of stuff that they're dragging up there. They get so, a whole crazy yeah, crew. Just amazing. So interesting interesting ways to do your documentary ties into my favorite doc of the year, which was Three Identical Strangers, <laughs> where that's one of the documentaries where they could have made it very straightforward. You tell the story of these three triplets that were separated at birth, each adopted by a different family. And then, oh, boy, they find each other. And this is so fun. And this is so cool. But then you think you're watching that documentary and it gives you a twist that you don't see coming and you start finding more and more about the circumstances that caused them to be split at birth and to be adopted specifically by three different families of three different socio classes, economic classes. And it just it's kind I've, of disturbing. It's disturbing and it's it's really gritty and it gets real and just really fast. And they keep again, filmmaking wise, they keep going to things that they showed you earlier in the film in kind of a wry way later. In the beginning, they're saying, oh, all these things that are the same about them, they're really cool. And then they show those same clips later in the movie and you're thinking, oh, the fact that they're all the same and this is kind of disturbing. And it just they're showing you and giving you different perspectives just in the hour and a half runtime of the movie. I think hmm. it was just very, very well That's done. Amazing. So I promised to get back to the theme music of – uh, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, because my favorite documentary from 2018 was Won't You Be My Neighbor? I mean, I think this is the film that got the ball rolling for documentaries in 2018 that got people excited to go out and see a documentary. There was a time earlier this year when Cole and I were like, have we ever seen a documentary in the theaters? And we don't know if we had. And now, thanks to Mr. or uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor, we've now seen several just in 2018 alone, and I'm excited to see more. I love the animated sequences in this film, very beautiful, and tie everything together so well, and talk about how Fred Rogers was, in some cases, the characters that he portrayed on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. You learned about some of his failed ventures. You learned about, they explore the question, okay, this is who he was on the TV show. There's no possible way he could be this great of a guy in real life, right? And he was. He was. Yeah. He was. And I love how they end the film. Not really a spoiler alert. Um, I believe that one of, uh, one of the commencement speeches that uh, Fred Rogers gave at a university, he gave everybody, gave everybody the opportunity to take one minute and think about somebody that had an impact in their life. And the filmmakers very wisely do the same at the end of this film. This is a film that not only uh, makes you feel good and remember your childhood, but you leave this movie wanting to be a better person. The other thing I really appreciated about this documentary is how it demonstrated how Fred Rogers used his voice 
to help to um, to help to soothe people during some yeah. times of crisis, and how he managed to work some very adult things. Uh, as far as what was happening in current events at different times in the world into his show in a way that children could understand. And I, yeah. I just blew me away. Wonderful. So speaking of children's fair and animated sequences, we wanted to now move on to our best animated feature of 2018. And Rod, I believe you're going to share one that I have not yet seen, and apparently everybody else has. Mm, I am so surprised. I, if for years, it's been Pixar, Pixar, Spider-Man, Into the Spider-Verse. For me, this year nudges out the, uh, wow. the Pixar and entry. This, going up against Pixar is Sony, the kind of studio that gave us the Emoji movie mm-hmm. in the past. I know. So, yeah, yeah. They've and, stepped it up a little. And, when, and every Adam Sandler Hotel Transylvania film. Yeah. And when this started trailering a few years back, uh, or a few years back, a few months back earlier last year, I looked at the trailer and thought, uh, I don't know that I want to sit through two hours of that style I don't think of you're alone on that. But, <laughs> but it, it just amazed me. Now, I did not see it in 3D. I think there are 3D releases. I think it looked just fine in 2D. And the animation is a very stellar take on it. It's totally new. It's really new and fresh. Wasn't yeah. it done in Photoshop, I heard? Yeah. It really? I did not completed know that. in Photoshop. Wow. And it's, it's, it's just the most unique. It looks comic booky yeah, and in does. a way that actually was good. We're bringing yeah. three different animation styles here. Spider-Man has one of the more unique ones, especially in the comic book world. Uh, I want to talk about Isle of Dogs, which was directed by Wes Anderson. He's done one other stop motion kind of animation before with Fantastic Mr. Fox. But I think his style and his oeuvre, the thing that Wes Anderson does, works best when he has just intricate control of every part of that set, which you can do in animation in a way that's a little bit harder to accomplish in his live action fair. This is very accessible for for people who don't really know who Wes Anderson is. Just Google image search him. You will see a lot of symmetrical pastel colored (laughs) scenes. And every the the thing I appreciate about Isle of Dogs is every frame of that movie. You could have paused it and it's a good desktop background or it looks like a painting you can hang up in your house it's it's art every time and every meticulous detail that he put into it as well as having a cool story about how we communicate with one another and just loving dogs sure it's it is all dry humor so be expecting that if you're if you've never gone into a wes anderson movie before but i very much enjoyed it and just for the visuals alone when we're talking about animation it was a beautiful animated movie So the film that I would put at number nine on my list and just barely edges out Isle of Dogs would be Incredibles 2, the Pixar film for the the year. And this is a film that there were a lot of high expectations. They took, what, like 14 years, something crazy like that, maybe more. When you saw it in the theaters, they showed you right off the bat, this has taken us 14 years. Appreciate us. Right. (laughs) And I just – you fall in love with these characters in the first film and they're such solid characters that you really root for them again in this second film. One complaint I do have about this film is that the villain is not as good as the villain from the first one. However, the reason you go see an Incredibles movie is because it is a family comedy first and a superhero movie second. They do animate those powers really cool. The thing we've learned with 
considering two of our three favorite movies, and I loved both of the ones you talked about as yeah. well, they are superhero movies. And as good as CGI is and as many dollars go into making the big budget Avengers and Aquamans and all these others look good, there are certain things you can do when you get to animate that you just can't accomplish in a live action movie. And that's superheroes were drawn before they were tried to be yeah. acted out. Good yeah. point, Cole. So I'm wondering if any of these films are going to appear in our next category, which is best overall film. I think we've teased some of the films that will come up in this list, but Rod, what is your best overall film of 2018? Well, okay, just a little bit of drum roll for this. This movie, as we record this, I'm looking at the screen. It has a 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Hundreds of reviews. And hundreds of reviews, and it is Paddington 2. Mm. Now, some people will say, but wait a minute, that was last year, not in North America. It wasn't in North America. This released in January 2018. Why isn't this movie getting nominations? Why didn't it make more money? Why was it promoted more? I don't know, but it is a marvelous little masterpiece. It will get nominated for costume design or production design, I'm sure, because we called this basically the other Wes Anderson film, even though he didn't have anything to do with it. There are scenes in this film that are right out of a Wes Anderson film. There are, but the, uh, the Globes totally snubbed it. Um, as far as I'm aware, I don't think it's in any categories there. I'm thinking our own group, the broadcast film critics, I don't remember seeing it. I sure hope it pops up somewhere on the Oscar list. It deserves to. And I think you highlighted the the fatal reason why it's not going to get any of those, perhaps, is because it was released in January of 2018. That's part of it. But there is also a negative bias for foreign films in America. Okay. Oh. And even a little more in the United States than in Canada. In Canada, <laughs> Paddington 2 did fairly well. And some people may argue, well, Canadians understand British humor better than Americans. I don't buy that. I, there just seems to be this stigma about marketing foreign movies in, in the United States as wide releases and really putting some push behind them. And uh, I can't figure it out. But there you go. Paddington 2. Two has a hundred percent. When Rotten Tomatoes tries to establish that, they just say, "Was it good or bad?" And the three of us also say that it's good, and so mm-hmm. oh, yeah. we have a hundred percent of our panel saying yes. this is there a good go. movie. Absolutely, Cole. What about you? Um, my favorite of 2018 was just the best time that I had in a theater watching the best action movie I've seen at least in the past eight or so years and maybe in my entire life, and that was Mission Impossible Fallout. Mm. Wow. You get to the sixth iteration in your franchise, and you are getting it better and better and better, and it really did have the most brutal and and cohesive and kinetic action that I've ever seen and it was also a good movie wrapped around it all around Tom Cruise doing ridiculous things that I couldn't do. So we're going to be talking about our favorite movie experiences in the theater later on in the show but this this isn't mine but I will mention Tom Cruise's ability to inject this franchise with the energy that it currently has is amazing. You watch this film and there's no doubt in your mind that he put every drop of his blood, sweat, and tears into this film, and it shows. Mm-hmm. Now, before I share my favorite film of 2018, I want to point out that Cole, Mission Impossible Fallout, if I had to do a top ten, would be number five on my list. It's respectable. And Paddington 2, Rod, would be 
number two number on my list. Number two. Absolutely. Ooh. But there's one better. But there's one better. The only film that I saw three times in the theaters in 2018. All at the very end of 2018. <laughs> Absolutely. And that is Mary Poppins Returns. My favorite film of the year for so many different reasons. Such a happy, uplifting film. This is the only film that I've rewatched where I've I've anticipated and looked forward looked forward to certain scenes. Oh, this is the great scene where they're going to go in the bathtub or this is the great scene where, you know, uh, Emily Blunt's going to use her cockney accent or here's that scene with Meryl Streep. You talk about Golden Globe snubs. I think this these snubs will be rectified when the Oscar nominations come out. This music, the soundtrack is so Awesome that I down I signed up for the three month free Amazon music trial so that I could listen to the Just soundtrack over soundtrack. and over and over it's again. Pretty good. None of the songs from this film were nominated for a Golden Globe. Again, I do believe that will be rectified when the Oscar well, nominations. This, this come is why out. we do our own best of. Is sometimes those award shows disagree a little bit with us. So you you try to make claims. Um, I think that the awards show have their own ideas. Oh, I'm going to be uh, bold and mark my words. It will get at least one nomination for Best Original Song. I'm not sure which one. So there you have it. Our best overall, our best animated, and our best documentaries from 2018. When we return, we're going to be sharing some more favorites from 2018. Best movie moment, best movie performance, and best theater experience. This is Screen Cleaning's Best of 2018. That song just gives me the chills. And I'm going to kind of break with the momentum that we've got going here as far as the order is concerned and say that that song is my favorite movie moment of 2018. From your favorite movie of 2018 as well. Right. It's the best scene in Mary Poppins Returns, in my opinion. So it is breathtaking in the, with the music, with the production design, with the costume design, and it is so much fun. You will have to watch it three times before you can understand what they're saying because they do it in heavy Cockney accents. <laughs> but that's well, that's my favorite movie moment. Like you said, it's it's the whole moment, not just the song, right? That's that right. might be my favorite song as well. But just that whole scene where they're in the the bowl and the design of the costumes that you mentioned, how they're they're almost drawn on even though they're wearing them and they just look so cool. Right. Mm. And it's a it's a mix between live action it's half and animated. animated. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So Rod, what would you say is your favorite movie moment? You've seen way more movies than Cole and I have, I'm sure. So you would <laughs> well, have a pretty good sample size. I am coming back to my favorite movie of the year again, and it's the pink laundry in Paddington too. <laughs> I'm sorry, but being able to create a movie around this little animated bear that really should be appealing to children and there's a scene that takes place in a prison where Paddington has to go to jail because of something he's been accused of a crime. And so he 
he does. I hope I can talk this through without breaking into laughter. I I really laughed in this movie, and I rarely do laugh in movies anymore. But Paddington is in charge of laundry, and he manages to uh, get some red socks put into the prisoner's laundry. And so the striped black and white outfits are no longer black and white. And so you got all these tough guys having to wear these pink and black striped prison uniforms. And then there's a song and dance number that goes along with it later. And uh, yeah. Yeah, that, that ending post-credits oh, kind of the scene post-credits with Hugh scene? Grant kind yes. of directing the, yeah, the yeah. musical performance oh, of the prisoners. Oh, man. I, there's just a sense of humor there. It was fun. Can I just say one quick thing about the Paddington movies? The reason these movies work, aside from the fact that they're beautiful to look at and mm-hmm. quite funny, is that they play it straight. Yes. Meaning... They don't condescend. They don't talk down to Paddington. He is addressed as if they're talking to another human. Nobody acts, uh, nobody thinks that it's out of the ordinary for this talking bear to be walking down the street. That is the key to selling these movies. You got to play it straight. Otherwise, it's it's going to fall flat. Just like the early days of the Muppet movies. Same situation. All right. Well, you picked your favorite moment from your favorite movie, Jeff, and Rod did the same thing. If I were to pick my favorite moment from Mission Impossible, it would definitely be the bathroom fight between Henry Cavill <laughs> the and The arm Tom reload? And, <laughs> and the arm reload and the best moment in the trailer. And in the trailer, it seems like there's so many other people going on in that fight. And really, it's just three dudes punching each other. But I wanted to spread the love a little bit and mention another movie that I loved, one that I mentioned earlier in the program as part of my favorite news I loved Aquaman, and there were a lot of just amazing visual moments in this as well, especially we get to visit all of the different underwater kingdoms. So the seven seas are represented by seven kingdoms in the Aquaman lore, and one of those are the Trench people. And the director of the Aquaman movie is a man named James Wan, who has a lot of horror directing in his Mm -hmm. past that I personally love. And when Aquaman and Mira were traveling out to the trench in order to dive down and to find the trident and accomplish their goal. All of the the animated uh, CGI trench people start coming up. They were genuinely horrifying, and it's raining all the while, and right as they're trying to escape, they they each do this giant dive off of the little sea boat that they're on, chased by trench people. <laughs> Lightning is striking, and they're holding a flare, and it is just, it is the greatest... Scene. I did like that scene. I have just when you freeze frame that, that is just beauty as a movie, and that's my favorite moment right there. And then they dive in, and they keep going down, and lightning will every so often just flash, and you can see how many trench people are following them, and surrounding them in the water, and that was all just done so beautifully in a movie where everything was beautiful, and the costumes, and and the shooting, and the direction of that action was extremely well done as well. But that was the highlight when they're diving away from the trench people. So what's interesting is that a lot of these favorite movie moments included some terrific performances, one by Lin-Manuel Miranda and Emily Blunt. And uh, I will admit that uh, Jason Momoa was quite entertaining to watch on the big screen as oh, yeah. Aquaman. And if Rod hadn't been talking Paddington 2 up, I might have mentioned Hugh Grant as one oh, of my yeah. favorite oh, yes. performances. Hugh was You great. could tell he was yeah. having a great time he in that was. film. So let's talk about our favorite performances in movies this year, Rod. 
Okay, well, mine is going to, uh, this is still part of what I love about Hollywood. You can still be discovered. And they discovered somebody wonderful this year in the movie Roma. Uh, I hope I'm saying her name correctly. Yelitsa Aparicio. Aparicio. There, see, if I take three (laughs) runs at it, I should be able to get it. And it's probably still not correct. But she plays, uh, she really is playing the protagonist in uh, Roma, where she is playing a housekeeper for a well-to-do Mexican family. Uh, this young gal was a school teacher. She was found at a casting call in some remote little community in Mexico because he, um, Alfonso, really wanted, the director of this film really wanted to be able to find somebody who was real. He did it. And I suppose it could be argued, well, you know, maybe she is just falling into the role naturally because she's so used to the culture or whatever, but why don't we do this in movies more frequently? This is such a genuine performance. And this movie really is incredible. And uh, a little warning to parents about 15 minutes in, there's about one minute of nudity, which is the reason it's rated R. Everything else in this film, though, it's a very powerful story about life in Mexico during a period of of great uh, torment in the 1960s. And she just does a beautiful job in this film. Mm. That's my choice. I have a more serious answer for best performance, but I'm going (laughs) to save it for later and talk about the performances of the super villains this year in Ah. comic book movies. Um, Patrick Wilson, a frequenter of James Wan movies in Aquaman that I already mentioned, was great as Ocean Master. And then there were two other villains in the two biggest uh, two biggest Marvel movies this year, Josh Brolin mm-hmm. and Michael B. Jordan, who I'm going to give a tie for my best performances because wow. they also had really good years themselves. Mm-hmm. Brolin was not only in the biggest movie of the year, Avengers, but he was also in Deadpool 2. And then Michael B. Jordan was your villain in Black Panther and also played Creed in Creed 2. There were a lot of cool actors that that pulled multiple things down this year, and I think both of them changed the way Marvel villains could be seen. That is the weakness. It took them 17 movies in to figure out that they should have a good villain, but both of them from the two biggest ones this year, Ant-Man and the Wasp, still kind of felt having a lame villain, but the two big ones got their (laughs) villains right, and that's something Marvel needed. And I think those were the highlights of both of those movies. Before I share my favorite, I want to continue what Cole has, what he started as far as actors that have had big years. You already mentioned Michael B. Jordan and Josh Brolin. Dolph Lundgren has had a huge year. He's, I don't know that I've seen him in anything other than like a direct to video type movie in a while. I guess he did one in the the Expendables. Expendables. Mm -hmm. But in this year, he did Creed Mm 2, reprising. The film role that he is most well-known for, and then he played a pretty big part in Aquaman as well. Huge year for him. Yeah, Good for him. Was. And Creed II, wonderful film. Loved that movie. Ben Wishaw was in Paddington. He was the voice of Paddington, mm-hmm. and he was also the uh, grown-up Michael Banks in Mary Poppins mm-hmm. Returns. Big year. And, of course, Emily Blunt was in Mary Poppins Returns. And another film, little, little quiet film little quiet indie film that uh, we might be talking about here in a minute. So she's had a big year as well. My some of my favorite performances from the year, if they if they weren't from Aquafina who was great in Crazy Rich Asians 
or Jesse Plemons, who steals every scene he's in in the film Game Night, which if you have the opportunity to see it edited, you certainly should. That would be my number three on my top ten. Mine is more of a surprise. Uh, There's a film on Netflix called The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. And again, fair warning to parents, this film, if it were – I guess it was first released in theaters like a week before it was put on Netflix so that it could be, uh, you know, um, eligible for Oscars. It's rated R for violence and that's it. It's an anthology film made up of six segments and one of them has Liam Neeson in it and this other actor that kind of looked familiar when I saw it. But he plays this armless, legless orator who gives these powerful renditions of the Gettysburg Address and different uh, moments in Shakespeare plays. And you're almost brought to tears by this acting uh, of this armless, legless orator. And it's really kind of the uh, most gut-wrenching story of the six segments in this film. It's not going to leave a good feeling in your stomach, let's just say. You may not look at Liam Neeson in the same light again. (laughs) However, I looked up this actor because I thought this guy should get nominated for an Oscar for this 18-minute, 20-minute segment that he was in where he has no dialogue outside of these orations that he's giving. Well, imagine my surprise when I discovered it was Chubby Dudley Dursley, Harry Potter's cousin who torments him, the spoiled <laughs> chubby brat from most yeah. of the eight films, who uh, is played by Harry Melling, is no longer chubby, I should add, which is one of the reasons why you really don't recognize him. That's going to be my favorite performance from 2018. Hmm, nice. You have me curious. I need to watch it. Yes. So... We wanted to now share our favorite theater experience, and this one is unique in that we were all unanimous in our favorite theater experience (laughs) of 2018, and let's explain what we mean by that. Going to the theater and having an experience that is out of of the ordinary, because so many of these movies you go to, maybe you turn your brain off, you get bored, you look at your cell phone. But once in a while, a movie comes up that really captures your attention. I'll never forget in 2009, whenever I walked out of the theater, seeing Avatar in the IMAX for the first Ah. time. Right. So it's movies are great and some can be watched on your laptop in bed before you go to sleep. But some deserve to have the whole experience. Yeah. And then there's the social component of sitting in a room with a lot of people as you watch a film. And that's the other theater experience. It's something you can't do at home. And right. we're all movie fans, and so we're generally respectful when we're watching a movie that we're serious about, but not everyone can be. Mm-hmm. Once in a while, movies capture everyone's attention. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And sometimes you're mimicking what the people around you are doing. Usually in a comedy, you're laughing, or sometimes in a horror movie, you're laughing to release the tension, right? In this theater experience, we were dead quiet. And I had a really bad cold, and I came to this movie with a pocket (laughs) full of throat lozenges. Right. To make sure that you weren't the guy that was breaking the quiet of a quiet place. place. So you saw people walking into the movie theater with popcorn, with candy bars, with drinks, and yet nobody, at least during the first 45 minutes, 
Nobody was eating that popcorn. Nobody was opening that candy wrapper. Nobody was, yeah. you know, rattling their drink because the movie demanded for the, at least those first 45 minutes you be absolutely quiet because as you know because you've probably seen a quiet place at this point if you haven't you definitely should see it. There's practically no dialogue in the first half of the film. No other film that I can think of has demanded that I be that quiet. Mm. So not only are you mimicking what the people around you are doing, you're mimicking you're mimicking what is happening on screen. You don't want to be that guy that's getting the dirty look, right? And Rod, I'm sorry you had a cold when you saw uh, this film. <laughs> I managed to get through it, but yeah, it was but yeah, you didn't want to break the silence. It really was an amazing film. John Krasinski, of course, Emily Blunt's husband, mm-hmm. directed this and stars in the movie, Mm -hmm. which usually doesn't go very well in my humble opinion, but I, boy, did I have respect for this guy. He has not directed a whole lot. You know, he directed some episodes of The Office and uh, a movie called The Hollers, which, sorry, I don't remember. But I remember this one. I really do. And like you mentioned about The Incredibles, it is a superhero animated movie, but it's a family movie first. This Mm -hmm. A Quiet Place was a horror, and it did capture everyone and tried to get everyone quiet, but it was a family movie at the core, Mm -hmm. and that's why it kind of reached out to everyone. I I admit, Mm -hmm. as a horror fan, that it's not everyone's cup of tea, but this movie made a ton of money, and rightfully so. But there you have it, our favorite theater experience of 2018. And when we return, we're going to be sharing some of our favorites of films that maybe you might not be as familiar with as we give you our Panning for Good segment. There's good in them dire hills. What better way to wrap up our best of 2018 in the movies year show? Wow, that was long winded. Um, <laughs> then to head on over to our panning for good segment and talk about some of those films that you might have to dig a little deeper to find from 2018. And Rod, let's start with you a film that we want people to know about and that they may not have even heard of before. There's been a lot of versions of Little Women made, but there was one that came out in 2018 starring Leah Thompson, and uh, it it really came together well. What I really appreciated about this film, it's got some really good performances, but it's also a, a really cool adaptation that takes the story of Little Women and places it in contemporary times, and I felt it worked really well. Excellent family movie. All right, Little Women. I think my honest-to-goodness favorite movie of the year was 8th Grade, but I wanted to Mm. save it for this segment because too many people missed out. Mission Impossible, people get. But 8th Grade might also have my best serious performance, and that was Mm Elsie Fisher. It's the story of this young girl going through her last few weeks of 8th Grade and the changes that naturally occur as you prepare for high school, directed by a first-time movie director and longtime YouTube comedian, Bo Burnham. I'm not sure a lot of people (laughs) have made that transition. And I very much enjoyed this film. Again, for screen cleaning purposes, it's rated R, but... I, I do. I recommend parents just watch it, get a good feel for what it is beforehand. But it seems like a great movie to watch with your kids of this age. It's nothing 
there's nothing in there that they don't get at school every single day. But sometimes the middle school experience is rated R in real life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and talk about the most awkward period in your life. I have always gone on record in saying that junior high is the worst part of the schooling experience that you can have. Everything awkward that happened to me happened in junior high. And I think you bring up a good point, which is something maybe we need to talk about more on screen cleaning is that any time that you have an experience uh, watching a film with your kids where you can have a little side conversation with them and talk about what they saw on the screen, um, whether good or bad, is good in my book. Mm-hmm. So, Help yes. you come together, whether you're in eighth grade or it was years and years ago that you had to yeah. go through it. The eighth grade experience has changed a little bit, and Bo Burnham's my age. He's he's a mid twenties fella, and he was able to capture what it felt like from Gen Z without being condescending, as right. mm-hmm. old people often can to the younger generation. And we don't mean to dismiss every oh, it's rated R, so there can't be anything good that comes out of that. I remember um, when Schindler's List was being shown on television unedited, and I just happened to walk in the room while my mm-hmm. parents were watching it. They said, you need to sit down and watch this film with us. And I don't believe that I did or I didn't see all of it, but I remember watching it years later with my wife. And it we had so much to talk about after that film. So there is something to be said about movies, starting conversations that we really ought to be having, but that we we're not having on a regular basis. And you can Absolutely talk agree. about good and highlight the good that movies have, even if the specific con like there's good ways to do content that seems bad right i think eighth grade did this mine would be another one that i think you could really have great conversations with your children especially if they have some kind of a mobile device or if they have access on a regular basis to a computer which most kids seem to have these days and you won't have to search as hard for this film (laughs) it's called searching and it would, if I had to share another favorite performance from this year, it would be John Cho, who basically carries the entire film. This is a very unique film, a film that is, you're basically only seeing John Cho from a screen's perspective. He's either, you're seeing his image on a computer screen, on FaceTime, on a phone, or he's being seen through tele, a television camera lens. So it's... Go with, into that movie with that mindset. It's it's also – that would be another favorite, unique movie-going experience for me. And I would think that this film could have a dark horse chance of being nominated for Best Editing because, like I said, it's all told th- through the perspective of screens. And it's it's a thriller, but kind of an unconventional one. It's kind of like the uh, the series Homecoming on Amazon Prime. You're on the edge of your seat your whole time, and then you realize that really nothing much has happened. <laughs> so go to that. Uh, go see this film with that in mind, and you're going to have plenty to talk to your kid about afterwards about screen use and making sure that you as a parent – Know who your children's friends are and what they're doing on social media, what they're doing on the computer. There's a lot to talk about. And so that would be my pick for the best penning for good Underrated kind of under-the-radar movie. Well, there you have it. Our favorite picks from 2018. And I'm sure on a later show on screen cleaning, we'll share some of our, we'll say the 
the best of the worst, right, Cole? Is that a positive uh, spin to put on it? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so look for that coming up in a future show. But we do want to thank Rod Gustafson, our good friend here at BYU Radio. You can hear him daily on the Lisa Valentine Clark Show. Well, not quite daily, <gasps> but I do drop in occasionally. But this, I, I'm the guy in the background. You're doing work every day. Uh, I, I bring the donuts, you know. Actually, I've never even brought donuts. I'll have to, <laughs> have to repent. Maybe maybe next time you come on screen cleaning, too, you could do that. Yeah, donuts. Okay. I like that. <laughs> and thank you, Cole, for your preparation. And thank you for celebrating your birthday yesterday with me at Escape Room. It was a pleasure. Which you can go see. It's out in theaters this weekend. That's going to do it for this episode of Screen Cleaning. We'll join you, or please join us next week. 